do I even read this stuff? What does it do? Why? Does it even serve a purpose? Oh, that's a very good question. Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. I'm Steven Sersky. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for finding this here audio blog cast. And what am I talking about in terms of this? Why do I read this? Well, almost the same kind of question as you'd uh, ask about, like, why, why do you do anything? So if you were listening to last week, uh, and even yesterday, I think I mentioned that I uh, bought some books, of which two of them were by Michio Kaku, this uh, theoretical physicist who's based in New York. So one of the books is called Hyperspace, uh, in which he talks about string theory and uh, how the universe, uh, the theories of the universe have moved from what it was, like atoms and like particles, into vibrating strings. And that with hyperspace, this the, all these strings mean that there could be at least 10 or 11 dimensions that we, uh, that we exist as part of. The other book I bought of his is his most recent book, just published last year, uh, called The God Equation. And in the first, I only, it's, it's a much smaller book, actually. I'm kind of a little bit disappointed as his other books are much larger format. Uh, and this one is both small and only about 300 pages, but it's like, you know, postcard size book. I thought it'd be a little bit larger. Whereas the hyperspace book is, you know, a typical paperback, but small print. And so it's almost off-putting. But the God Equation talks about like the theory of everything, which is what Stephen Hawking uh, was talking about and is what Einstein was working on uh, when he died. So this whole issue you know, uh, goes through my mind. I'm like, why am I reading this stuff? This is probably worse. Like, what's, Is this worse than drinking in a pub by yourself? I don't know, because... Yeah, what are you going to do with this information? The, the thought actually uh, sort of struck me today. I'm like, well, why am I bothering to read this stuff? Like, what am I going to do with it? Like, will I go to work and like be content with myself that I've read this book about how we will not ever see the stuff that he's talking about? Like, ever? Like, it's I won't know my descendants if I ever have them. Uh, and if they ever successfully... Transition universes, <laughs> if they ever travel through time, I, I, I myself, as I am right now, will never know this. At least, I haven't known it. I do not know it now. Will I know it in the future? I don't know. But, you know, you fast forward uh, and you're looking at all the health and this coronavirus, the pandemic, you know, the, the number of people that died this year. Uh, in the last couple of years, the Spanish flu that happened 100 years ago, world wars that happened in between that. And you kind of go, wow. I mean, it's a lot of death and dying. Uh, granted, we're not dying from the same things that we were dying from 100 years ago. And we're extending life. The, 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 the problem, <laughs> the fact remains, the human body isn't meant to live forever, which is a very scary prospect that... You, you're born, you grow up, you become very sentient and very conscious of like your own mortality. And probably the worst thing about growing up is that you do sort of 
um, uh, you you realize that people are are die. Like when you're young, people die, but you don't really pay attention to it. It doesn't affect you in the same way usually. I mean, obviously, if it's your parents, but even still, like you, you if you're so young and it happens at such a young age, so much time elapses from then until you know you become sort of self-sufficient that it becomes or usually anyway i mean sometimes parents or uh, guardians or family members pass away friends pass away and you have to uh, like children do have to become self-sufficient on their own you know it forces them into a reality uh very very quickly and but it's these things that you know it time passes and you sort of forget the people who died 20 years ago but as you grow older it seems that it you're much more aware of people passing. And that's like your friends start dying or things like that. It's very, very disturbing in, in, in one way to think of it. So where does all this morbid thinking come from? And I, I know it is a, a bit more on the depressing side, but reading these books, talking about like how the universe is growing, it's going to freeze, it's going to, you know, hopefully our descendants, you know, jump ship, from this universe, universe that's going to freeze or expand itself to nothing and then jump into the next one, the warmer one. And I go, well, that is so far away that it's not even conceivable how a human body could last for that long. Now, here's the interesting thing that, like the, the little philosophy that goes through my mind at this point. I go, but the human, the human body as we know it doesn't survive, but... As Michio Kaku is pointing out, and as philosophers and scientists have pointed out throughout time, the matter doesn't die. It just gets redistributed. So what is it that gives us sentience, that gives us this consciousness, that gives us this belief that we are who we are, uh, and this awareness, you know, you know, you look at your hand like, that's a hand. Now you can Descartes that shit all you want, the world doesn't exist behind you, but your hand is there. You can matrix it. You can computer simulate it all you want. But the fact is the hand is there. Uh, go ahead. Question it if you like. That That's your yeah your issue. But it's not built to last forever, which is a very scary prospect. So what do you do? And so I'm reading these books. And yeah, I am looking at them going, is this the best use of my time? <laughs> like, of all the things I could be doing, like, what else could I do, though, like, could I just have a beer, if I had three beers, would it matter, but then, like, they have consequences, like, you know, you, you know, you have calories, dizzy head, will you get up for your morning workout, um, you know, all that sort of blah, 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 but then I'm reading the, this stuff, I'm like, I don't, I don't know which one's worse, is it the, the beer, or the theoretical physics that sort of talks about how the universe is going to end. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It, it, maybe I'll not read it. <laughs> I'll put it away. I, I like his writing. I like the way he explains things. Um, and I, I probably... No, I'm going to read the book anyway. It's interesting. The one thing that uh, I was sort of wondering more about is because it is all English words, and which is the way to, my way of saying it's not the physics textbook that would explain it. So my... One of my questions always been, how how do these people figure this shit out, right? Like, do they literally just sit down and start working out the numbers? Uh, like, you'd sort of translate uh, a Latin book into English or Chinese into English. 
that you sort of have to have a translation or like understanding of how the declensions work and that this uh, form means this and uh, put in this part of the sentence it refers to this and then it makes up this portion of the first sentence and the, the you know the subject the predicate and blah 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 so you have all these chunks that get translated and give you a full meaning right what is or what are the equations that they are looking at could you translate this book of English words into a book of equations of mathematical equations there must be somewhere out there because that's what he's talking about he's talking about Newton he's talking about the uh, <clears throat> the string theory how there's 10 dimensions 11 dimensions like it fits the math and that God or you know this creator is very similar to a mathematical equation it can a lay person such as myself look at these equations and understand them or is it something like I could never understand I mean I, I don't get me wrong I'm not a numbers person that way theoretical numbers the most I get theoretical about is how much interest do I have to pay what can I borrow at and how can I reinvest that on margin if possible and what's the greatest return right that, that I mean those are my theoretical numbers and how much am I making this month sort of thing right um end of the universe scenarios not on the top of my uh, mathematical equations on a daily basis which i guess goes to show why i'm an english teacher and not a theoretical physicist right of all things have not started the other book uh just yet uh, bill bryson's the body i'll get to that later um but uh, i was also reading uh uh jp getty's how to be rich and this guy, every time I open this book, I don't actually have a bookmark for this one. I, I, I read a couple paragraphs. I open it, and I read a couple paragraphs. And every time, I I mean, although this guy was criticized for being the way he was as a you know business tycoon, the way he talks, the way he just, it, it's, it seems like the whole book is just written from his experience. Like, you can agree with me or disagree with me all you like. This is what I did, and I've been asked to write this book. <laughs> So I'm writing it. That's the way that this book is sort of structured. Um, it's a great book, and every time, like I, I read a couple paragraphs, and I okay, I'll go, go, I'll go do something. So it's kind of inspiring that in that sense. And the reason I bought this book was to have it, so I could look at it and go, I like, I like that methodology. I like that attitude. I like that idea. Which is also kind of why I bought the God Equation book because of Michio Kaku. But it's not having the same effect as these other books did. <laughs> you know, the whole end of universe is where I'm going to die and you're not going to see the end of it anyway. So a little bit different messages in these books. The other book I realized I bought that I just got delivered today. Yes, and I've been buying real books because I, I'm sick of looking at screens. Just you can you can download these ebooks. Like you can get them on Amazon. You can even read the previews. Like I read a lot of previews. Uh, it's just easiest way to sort of decide if I really need a book or if I don't need a book and then sometimes there's uh, like uh, used book sales here in Beijing there's a, a good bookstore that um, sells quite a few things so it's it's good but it's not targeted the same way that some of these these uh, books are targeted so I got this Russian grammar book in Chinese <laughs> and I got it I delivered it or they delivered it today. I'm looking at it. I, I go. I was kind of excited. I was thinking about this for a while. I'm like, wouldn't it be neat to sort of, you know, read 
about Russian grammar in Chinese. That way I could cross over and I could learn the Chinese grammatical terms as I'm studying Russian grammar. And then the first time I open the book, I go, why the fuck do I want a grammar book? Why do I want another grammar? Why do I want a Russian grammar book? I want to be able to read more Russian rather than read the grammar. The, my issue isn't the grammar necessarily. It is. But it's the interest in reading something that I can understand and use. You know, the way that I'm reading J.P. Getty's book, the way that I'm reading, uh, you know, the end of the universe scenario book. I can read this and use it, or at least know that I've read it. But these Russian books, like, what am I going to get from them? These Chinese books, what am I going to get from them? That's the idea, anyway, is to learn both Russian and Chinese at the same time. It's sort of the crossover uh, mentality, if, it, if at all possible. So speaking of Chinese, uh, I did try, I did, I, I spent a few hours on my textbook today, chapter 11, and I didn't get all the way through it. I just got tired. Uh, and last week I wondered out loud, you know, how do people study languages and not, you know, start drinking afterwards? Which is still a valid question, because uh, again, today, I, when I was reading this Chinese, like, it's getting easier to read the instructor's book. So it's not as difficult. I'm not plowing through the, the same amount of vocab, but uh, um, just in terms of to understand the structure of it, but I'm still having to look up a lot of characters. And I found whenever I'm reading Chinese, it's such a mental exertion like that I'm just, I seem to have to think of it so much. I just focus very hard and I, it almost reminds me of my early days of reading Latin, to tell you the truth, like reading uh, languages in university where I was just glossing over a lot of stuff. And it was almost like I was just, if I put my eyes on the page, I could count it as time spent studying, but it, it's not the same. Like, And very different from my university years, this Chinese language, uh, I'll say it is much more applicable right now to my life than I can use it. Like I can use the words and go use them outside sort of thing. Whereas, you know, Latin and ancient Greek, a bit more difficult to do. Although I see a resurgence on Twitter as of late. Uh, so that being the case, I'm trying out my, my Chinese and, you know, getting through this book and I couldn't get through the chapter. By one o'clock, I'm looking at it going, I, I'm not even reading very much. I'm going so slow. It doesn't help that chapter 11 has four grammar points. The other ones have, I think it's usually three. But this one seemed to be longer than the other chapters. Uh, so I'm like, you know what? I'll uh, stop there. I don't work on Saturday, so I'll put the, the rest of the time in on Saturday and finish up uh, that chapter and do that practice test, which was the goal. Like I wanted to get the practice test done today uh, so I could sort of count it because I'm looking... At the um, the the weeks I have, and if I have this goal of accomplishing of writing the test in April, I am sorely behind. Like if I by look at my current pace, you know, doing one or two units per week, uh, one or two chapters per week, I'm not going to finish this book until the end of February, and I haven't even started the second book. And the second book is another 18 chapters. Ugh, that gets rough. That means I wouldn't be writing the test until May. Best. Best case. So, Which is, a, you know, a one-year anniversary from my HSK4 test. And that would be three years? 
since the HSK-3 test. So, yeah, so one year since HSK-4, three years since HSK-3, and that would put me on track maybe, I don't know if I'd be able to write HSK-6 next year. That that seems kind of crazy, actually, because uh, it's another, it's a doubling. HSK-6 doubles what you have to learn at uh, the HSK-5 level. So all that being said, yesterday I was talking about moving from Beijing, and this is by no means an immediate plan, but I was thinking, you know, would it be easier to work on real-life Chinese if I were to live in a city, like a smaller city, wherein I couldn't rely on English so much as I do here in, in Beijing? But I started thinking about all the little comforts I have here. You know, it's one thing about the pubs. You know, that's that's one thing. Okay, but then there's things like good internet access, hot water, decent washing machine, you know, being able to walk down to the international store and pick up a bunch of stuff. And I'm looking around and go, I got a lot of what you would consider international food around me. I mean, it's, it's not just Chinese stuff. So would it be easy to move to another city and live the same sort of life? What sort of experience would it be? Would I enjoy it? Would there be a massive culture shock? Or would I sort of just blend right in? I think that one thing that would that might bother me if I did move, it would be like if I became the focus of attention. Because the, one of the good things about being an expat, um, and even like not just in Beijing, but anywhere, is that a lot of times you can sort of blend in and like no one really cares. You do stand out in some time, some places sometimes, but for the most part in a large international city like Beijing or Shanghai, no, one, no one's going to care. You move to a sm smaller city, all of a sudden you walk in somewhere and eyes are attracted to you. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, oh, I don't need this. I'm hungover. I haven't slept. And, you know, I probably said something to somebody that I probably shouldn't have sort of thing, right? Like, you know, you relive that, <laughs> that circumstance over again. Not always, of course, but uh, <clears throat> you do sort of become a focal point at, at, at times, uh, which can be disconcerting, fun, but at the same time, it can uh, become rather aggravating if all you want to do is just, you know, sit down and do nothing and just just be alone with your thoughts. Sometimes it's difficult to, uh, difficult to do. Other than that, today uh, I did manage to get a few of the uh, January tracks up and uh, online, so you can check those out. Uh, January 22nd, 23rd, 24th are up. I'm working on 25th right now. Not sure if I'll have it done, uh, hopefully. Um, but then, yeah, tomorrow I work, Thursday work, Friday I work. Apparently I'm like one of the f only people working this week. Uh, talking to a lot of colleagues and a lot of them seem to be sitting around doing nothing, so... Oh, that's nice. Good on you guys. Uh, I have things I got to get done. But the one good thing is that with this week, it's the end of January. Well, it ends on Monday of next week. And then we end to finish February, so I'll be able to finish up a few things there. And with a complete week off, I'll be able to clean some of these uh, loose strings up, tie up some of the loose strings um, that uh, I've got dangling all around in terms of my creative projects, which is... You know, it's been productive November, December, January, 90 days of constant productivity of always having a, basically that panic, that anxiety of going, oh my God, I got to do something. I have to do something. If I'm not doing something, I'm falling behind. 
it's I can feel it. I mean, it's been wearing on me since probably mid middle of December. <laughs> uh, but now that we're towards the end of that 90 days, and then I'm also looking towards March. The March motion idea actually seems like a an interesting idea. Uh, same with um, April After Effects and possibly into May. Well, May You Make Your Movie is in May. So all these little projects, I'm not going to pressure myself too much. Uh, it, But I am seeing it. I see the reason I'm doing it. I see the part. I mean, regardless of whether or not these movies make it to the end of the universe, although I might like to think that they will, uh, etched on gold plates and sent out to the the interstellar atmosphere, piece by piece, learning these design tools, these computer graphics tools, these uh, music tools, I'll get them. I'll leave it there, folks. Thanks for listening. Show notes and tracks up on my website, stevensersky.com. Hope you're having a great Tuesday and are not questioning things too much. And if you are, finding the answers that you need. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Bye-bye.